your wisdom, for your grace, and Lord, this morning we thank you because you are here. And so we ask, Spirit of the Lord, that you would open our ears to hear from you, that you would speak to us clearly, that we would not just hear you, but that we would obey your truth, God. May we honor you in all things, Lord God, and may we glorify you, and we pray these things all in Jesus' good name, and everyone said... Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. If you don't have an outline, you can raise your hand and the ushers will be sure to get you an outline so you can follow along in the introduction. You can take some notes and hopefully you will use this as a tool in order to make disciples. And the way that you would do that is by simply sitting down with someone and sharing with them what you have been learning on Sunday mornings. It'll help you to grow in your understanding of what you learned. It will also help you grow in your application of the truth that you learned and and it will help them grow in their faith as well. And so this morning, as we're continuing in our Upside Down series today, we are dealing with the third of our core commitments, the declarations that we make on Sunday mornings, which is serving. And so today we're going to talk about serving. And one thing, and your outline says this, one thing that usually unites people, regardless of religious beliefs, is an understanding of how important serving is. And so what happens to us is that, you know, whether we believe in God or not, usually our culture will, will agree that serving really matters. We see this because of what? Because we have community service that's required in our schools, right? It's, it's required of our students. It's not just something that we do for um, the next point that I have here, which is for criminal activity. Like when someone does something wrong in the culture, they'll give them community service hours, which hopefully will give them an understanding of certain things that, you know, they should appreciate within the community and, you know, give them some kind of mindset, right? Some kind of restitution as well that they're giving back to the community. And then also as a Christian quality, right? And so as a biblical quality for us as believers in Jesus, as those who follow Christ, right? Like this is something that unites us. We all should believe and understand something about our serving. And so the last sentence there is this, the fact is serving develops our character as much as it reflects our character. Serving reflects our character as much as it develops our character. And so we realize that what happens is in serving, right, like when you start serving, your character is developed, right? You start to, to, to experience some growth because serving is not easy. Hello, somebody. Right, serving is not is not is not always simple. It's not just hey, I'm just going to pick up a piece of paper. Sometimes serving is doing things that we don't want to do. Right? Sometimes serving. I mean, you 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 remember growing up, right? You were asked to serve. Hello, somebody. Right? You were asked to do things in your house that you didn't feel like you needed to do because you didn't make those dishes. Remember that? You 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 weren't the one who 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 created all the garbage that needed to be taken out. Right? You weren't the one that made the mess, and so you were like, "Why do I got to clean up after someone else? Why do I? Why don't they have to do that?" Right? Serving develops our character. Right? It teaches us right to appreciate. Like when if you never serve, you don't appreciate stuff. Right? Like you know you think about it like this when you you know at one point at some point in your life you thought that clothing were just always clean. You didn't, you didn't know how it happened, right? You got you, you went ahead and you, you messed up clothing and suddenly you looked a week later or something like that and that those clothing that were dirty are now clean and they smell good. Hello, right? But that happened because someone was serving you, right? Someone was doing something for you, right? You thought that, man, just at a certain time, mom said or dad said, dinner's ready. Hello, right? And you just walked in and you were like, man, I'm hungry. Like you come in there with an attitude, there ain't nothing to eat up in here. Hello, come on now. Right? 
Like, 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 what's, what's there to eat? Like, you know, you know how it is, you know, like my mom used to always say stuff like, I'm going to take a picture of what's in the refrigerator and I'm going to put it on the outside because nothing has changed, right? Like nothing has changed in the last five minutes of you going in there. But you know what happened? Someone was in there serving. Someone was in there cutting up stuff, cooking stuff. And so serving develops your character, but it also reflects your character. It shows what kind of person you are. It shows who you are. Like when you start serving, you want to know what people are about. Serve next to them. You want to see what people are like, what what people really think. Serve. See how they do things that they're not necessarily getting paid to do. Are you here? Right. See how they do. Do they do stuff with their whole heart? Do they do stuff with the right attitude? Do they do stuff the way that things should be done? And here's the thing that I want you to think about is this. One of the highest demonstrations of love for God and others is our commitment to serving. One of the highest demonstrations of love for God and others is our commitment to serving, right? That's one of the, that, that's one of the things that we realize when we talk about loving God, right? In the beginning of every, of every service, when we start, um, as we start our declarations, right? We make it clear what that we are committed to loving God, right? And so we love God. And so one of the greatest ways or the highest demonstrations of love for God is what? Is how we is how we serve others. It's the way that we serve. Our commitment to serving demonstrates that. Because we love God, because we're grateful for what Jesus has done for us. And so what we find here in the book of Acts, when we read this, the reason why we're looking at the book of Acts, and I told you last last week that we would um, and I was breaking this down, uh, separating this, this particular portion of Scripture in Acts chapter 2, and then just read the whole thing, is because I really believe that serving is rooted in what we see here. And you see, you see here in verse 44, it says, Now all who believe were together and had all things in common. They were together and they had all things in common. So the first thing I want to ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, serving others must be rooted in love. Serving others must be rooted in love. And so we find these people in the book of Acts, and they are, they're together, and they have all things in common. And this becomes so important when we talk about serving. It's that we care about one another, because that's what this is really saying. It's talking about their care and their concern one for another. That the things that they held, the things that they had, the things that were theirs, they didn't see them as just theirs, but they saw them in a different light. And here's what I want to say about this. Quality service requires the right type of motivation. Quality service requires the right type of motivation. And so we see the motivation for the service that we, that we see throughout the book of Acts, and we see in the New Testament the right motivation. I remember when my wife and I, we first got married, well, not when we first got married, when we first started dating, uh, there was this, there was this um, place called Manuel's, and it was in downtown Orlando, and it was on top of the SunTrust building, and it had beautiful, you know, just, I mean, you, it was all windows up there, and it was a real ritzy place, right? And so um, what I can tell you is that growing up, I never went to places like that. It was the kind of place you had to have a jacket on when you went into. I didn't realize that. So the first time I went there with my wife, where we go there, and I had a nice shirt on. I didn't go there in jeans, right? Like, so, I mean, I, I put on a nice shirt. I knew you had to dress up. 
But I didn't realize that it was a place you're supposed to have a jacket on. You're supposed to look a certain way to go there. And so I remember we, we went, you know, went to, we, went, we went there. We got seated, sat down. And, you know, for me, I was like, man, this place is serious, right? Like they came out. They had the, the, this water. The way they poured the water was different, you know, like, you know, the, the, the type. I mean, it was, it, it was just a, a beautiful experience. Like for me, it was a great experience, right? They came out there. And, you know, if I, I remember going there again. I've been there. I was there a couple of times. The, the restaurant no longer exists, but, um, you know, going there, they would come out and they would show you your food with a flashlight, and, you know, they did all this really nice stuff, and I remember my wife was disappointed in the service to the point that she called, and we got a gift certificate and got a free dinner. Hello, somebody, right? But here, here, here's why I bring this up when I talk about the quality of service deter- is determined by your motivation. Here's what I understand. If I would have came in there with a jacket on, if I would have came in there and I would have looked like somebody, the guy wouldn't have not done some of the things. See, because I went there later on with a jacket on. Hello. Right? I, I went there the next time. And when I went there the next time and, the, and every other time, you know, they did certain things that the first guy didn't do. You know, like they came by, like after you ate your bread, they came by with a little scraper, right? And they like scraped off all of the stuff. They made sure. I mean, there was never a crumb, right? Like if it was up to them. Like they made sure everything was perfect. And you know what I come to conclude? What I come to conclude is when I walked in there the first time, because I didn't look the part, he probably wasn't really motivated. He's like, man, these people ain't going to really tip me. Right? So maybe there was a lack of motivation. There was something that was not there in his mindset. And so we have to have the right motivation in order for us to do what? In order for us to serve the way that we're supposed to. And the church in the book of Acts, their motivation was what? It was the gospel. It was what Jesus had done for them. They were one in purpose. They had all things in common. They were one in purpose, right? I mean, the scriptures are crystal clear. They were committed to the apostles' doctrine. We talked about that last week in fellowship and and breaking of bread and prayer. They were committed to those things. They they were in one accord. They were in one mindset. They were together 100% because of what Jesus had done. They were together in in those practices, but they were also together in ministering to the needs of others, and that's what serving is. If you want a definition of serving, that's what serving is. It is ministering to and meeting the needs of others. And sometimes, and as we, as, as we move through toward the end of the, uh, of the message, I'm going to talk to you about two different areas of serving. There's some people that are like myself, that they've been called to serve in the capacity of preaching or teaching and ministering to a need that is there within the lives of people. And then there's other people that they're called to an action-oriented type of serving, and we'll deal with that. But here's what I want you to grasp is that when we think about serving, serving is ministering. It is meeting the needs of people, whatever those needs may be. Some of those needs may be tangible, right? Like somebody may need you to come. And like I've seen sometimes that we've had um, people have posted in Realm and they've communicated, hey, you know, we need some help with this or we need some help with that. And some of the guys have been able to come and been able to meet a need, right? There's been certain needs, you know, sometimes on, in, in our community on Facebook, you know, people will, will, will post and say, hey, we're looking for this or we need somebody to help in this area. And someone will step up to the plate and they will meet a need of someone else. And that's what serving is. And so here's what I want you to notice though, because when we read both of those scriptures, we noticed the reason why we read chapter two and chapter four is because this gives us a good foundation to look at what the community of, of Christians look like. 
a people who had all things in common. And the scripture says they did some stuff that was radical, like they would sell property and they would bring all of the proceeds to the church, give it to the apostles, so that way the apostles could distribute to the needs of the people. I mean, that's pretty radical, right? Like people in, in this day and age, right, we're doing what? Some of us are trying to accumulate property. We're definitely trying to sell. Hello. And these people weren't just selling property to make a profit. They were selling property in order to meet the needs of the people that were there. And so what does this teach us? This teaches us that there was some serious motivation in their hearts. And I want you to get that. These people weren't being forced. There wasn't a law that happened like when, when, Paul, when Peter was preaching and they said, what must we do? And he said, okay, you need to repent, be baptized, and then sell all your property. That's not what he said. There wasn't like an added commandment. There was something that was moving the hearts of these believers. They were motivated. They weren't forced to do this. They were motivated to do what? To help others and to serve others. Serving, as I said, is an expression of the love of God towards others. Grasp that. When you serve someone, right, and I've said this before, when you help someone, you know, fix a flat tire on the road. The other day, I helped a guy, you know, push his truck across the road. He was stuck. I don't know how he was going to get it by himself. That was a heavy truck. Hello. Right? He was, and he wasn't a young guy. He was an older guy. He was strong nonetheless, but he, he, he wasn't going to push that truck across that, across like a three-lane road and then go up a hill. Hello. That wasn't happening. Right? And, and, and I did that. Why? Because I'm so great. No, because, man, I'm just like, man, you need some help. And, and I want to express the love of God towards someone else. I want to show that God cares. That's the reason. See, the motivation was when you saw in the book of Acts, these people saw needs that were there. And because God loves others, guess what? We want to serve them. Because God cares about others, we want to care for them. We want to serve. We want to use whatever gifts we've been given in order to serve others and minister to them. Our motivation to serve others must be rooted in the love of God toward us to ensure the quality of our service. See, when I'm moved to serve because of the love that God has shown me, it changes everything. The way that I serve changes. And so bring me to my second point here and say this with me. Serving must benefit others while directed towards the Lord. And so turn with me to the book of Romans chapter 12. And so the book of Romans, I'm actually thinking about preaching through this next year. Um, powerful, powerful book, like one of the most important. I mean, all the books of the New Testament are important, but the book of Romans has such a rich truth in it. Um, and so the book of Romans chapter 12, after Paul has dealt with so much, he's, now he's starting to talk about some of the imperatives. Remember, we talk about indicatives and imperatives. So indicatives are all the things that Christ has done for us. It's, it's, it's declarations that God makes. It's the indications of what has been finished for us. But then the imperatives are what are our responsibility, right? What we are called to do. And so Paul starts this chapter off, you know, chapter 12 and verse 1, and he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And so what Paul says is that as a response to everything that Jesus has done, you should become a worshiper, right? As a response to everything that Jesus did for you on the cross, all the things that Christ has done, saving you by faith, everything that has happened for you should motivate you to be one that worships. But what does worship look like? He says to make your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So he wasn't saying become a singer. He was saying become a worshiper. 
See, there is a difference between being a singer and being a worshiper, right? Anyone, and, I'm in, and I say this relatively, right? Anyone can sing. Not everybody can sing good. Hello. Anyone can sing. Not everybody's a worshiper, though, right? There's a difference. Worship is not about songs as much as it is about the life we live. Worship is about a certain way of living. And so Paul goes on to say, right, not to be conformed to the pattern of this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you will be able to know what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God, right? So he tells them this is what worship looks like. It's to change your way of thinking, not to think the way that the world looks. And then he goes on and he talks about all of these different gifts, and and, and he talks about not to look at others like you're better than them, but to look at each other the right way. And then he goes on to the verses that we're going to look at verses 9 through 13 because he ties worship to Jesus's work and then we worship but then he shows us what worship looks like and you know where worship is seen in our interaction with one another and so what does he tell us here in verse 9 he says let love be without hypocrisy abhor what is evil cling to what is good Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor giving preference to one another. So in other words, treat each other the way that they should be treated because of what Jesus has done for us. And he goes on and says, look at this in verse 11, not lagging in diligence. He's talking about serving in this point, right? Not not lagging in diligence, right? But giving yourself wholly to loving one, to loving others and loving them not just in word but in deed, fervent in spirit, right? Having that deep motivation. And what does he say there? Serving the Lord, right? And so what did I say? Serving must benefit others while directed toward the Lord. And so when we serve, right, equal to our motivation to serve is the focus of our service. And so it's twofold. Number one, it's to benefit you, but more than that, right, like 1A, is to be for the glory of God. I serve not just to make you smile, but to make him smile. I serve not just because I want to make you feel good or, or, or just to meet a need that you have, but I serve because I know that it brings honor to the Lord. And so I have to have the right focus. Who we are serving will determine how well we serve them. Are you here? Who we are serving will determine how well we serve, right? If we are serving for people, see, here's the problem, and this is something, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but, you know, have you ever done something for someone and they were just completely ungrateful? That ever happened? All right, let me ask you this. Does that reaction make you want to keep serving? No, right? Of course not. It makes you want to throw something at them, right? Right? It's kind, of, it's kind of like, I've heard stories about this, and I know it was no one in here has ever done this, but it's kind of like that first meal that your wife cooks for you, and she asks you, how, how was it? And you say something that is not so grateful, and they take the plate and throw it in the garbage. Hello, somebody. Right? Like that is what, 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 when someone doesn't appreciate your service, that's what it does to you. Right? But when you are serving for the glory of God, you know what? You get past that sting. And you continue serving, not because they smiled, not because they said thank you, not because they will even ever appreciate you. You do it because of what? You're doing it for God's glory. The motivation of what we do, it is toward the Lord, right? We're doing it for God. And so here's some things that we see in the book of Acts. The book of Acts, again, we see that the church met the needs of the people daily, 
right? It wasn't once in a while. It was a consistent thing. I can assure you, meeting the needs of the people daily was tiresome. There were 3,000 people who got saved in the beginning. And if you look, and you don't have to look there now, but if you look at the book of Acts chapter 6, you want to know what the first dispute in the church was about? It was about serving tables, and it was about what? It was about the widows that were being served because some widows were getting a specific portion and the other widows were not. And so the first dispute was about serving, and that's where the argument became. Because you know what? It's difficult to keep tabs. It's difficult. And then you know you're, you know some people, and so all of a sudden you start hooking people up. Like, no, nah, I can't give you, but wait a second. I just hooked them up. See, it gets all messed up, right? And so the reality is that we have this thing that we need to be those type of people who look at what's going on in the book of Acts, and we recognize that they were doing what? They sacrificially sold their properties. They sacrificially met the needs of the people that were there in the church. They served tables in order to distribute these goods. They were there. The apostles did what? They were serving spiritually. They were meeting the needs of the people. And the one thing that I noticed, and I never really recognized this before, but it's funny because when you look at the reason why there was this dispute that was going on is because there was like 12 guys that were in charge of serving 3,000 people, right? Serving these 3,000 people spiritually, serving these 3,000 people naturally. It was 12 guys that were responsible for serving every widow that was there. And so these 12 guys, and you know why they were doing that? They were doing that because they remember sitting under Jesus. And you know what Jesus told them? Jesus told them that if you want to be great, you need to become a servant of all. And they understood that. They understood the motivation. They just wanted to please their Lord. They wanted to follow Jesus who said, I did not come to be served but to serve and to give my life as a ransom. And you want to know why we're sitting here today? Because Jesus chose to serve rather than be served. The reason why I believe that serving is part of turning our world upside down is because our world, our lives have been turned upside down because of a Jesus who did what? Who served our need. He saw us where we were. He met the need that we had. He is the one who did that. And so we follow his lead. And if we'll follow his lead and we will serve the way God has called us to serve, then you know what I believe we'll do? We'll see our world be turned upside down. The question that we must ask ourselves is this, where can I serve. See, for some of you are serving. Praise the Lord. I appreciate every person in here that is serving, right? I thank God for everyone that serves. I thank God, no matter how imperfect we are, because we're all imperfect. Amen? Right? None of us serve perfectly, right? But the reality is, I, I'm appreciative of those who serve. But for those that are not serving, the question is, where can you serve, right? And, 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 and I'll, 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 I'll add to that question this, what needs do you see that you might be able to fill? Right? Because sometimes you're like, well, I don't know where I could serve. And then you're like, okay, well, let's look at a way to figure this out. What needs do you see that you might be able to fill? One of the stories that I love, and, and it's not because, um, because, or actually I share this in our, in our um, vision carrier orientation. And it's, and it's not because of me in this story, because I feel like I was at a moment where I had a choice to make, right? And in this choice, it was because we were in the other property. And the property manager over there, he and his wife and, and a newborn, uh, you know, very young baby, they had just started attending another church. And so one day we were in, in a conversation. And in this conversation, he and I were talking. And as we were talking, I was asking him, so how is church and stuff like that? They had just started going. It was a newer church. And he, his response to me was, he said, hey, man, um, he said, yeah, I don't know. I think we're going to go look for another church, he said, because their nursery program is not really good. You know, I mean, they have a couple of, and you know, no offense to anyone who may be a little older, um, but he was like, you know, they have a couple of old ladies in there that are just like kind of like babysitting these kids or whatever the case is, and there's nothing really happening. I was like, okay. 
And so I listen to what he said, right? And so I have two options here, right? One option is I can say, hey, we have a great kids program here. Why don't you come check us out, right? We have, we have great nursery workers. Even the older ladies do good stuff. Amen, right? Like we could have. <laughs> I could have said that, right? I could have done that. Or, right, I said to him, I said, hey, I said, let me ask you something. I said, have you thought about talking to the pastor about you and your wife serving in the nursery? I said, because maybe they just don't have anyone who has stepped up to actually serve there in that capacity. And so if you guys stepped up, you might be filling a void that that church has, and they just don't know how to ask anybody, right? And so I'm like, maybe that's what the thing is. And so he's like, oh, yeah, I'll consider that, right? So a couple of months pass, and he comes back, you know, and so we're talking. And I was like, hey, man, so how's church? And he's like, hey, you know, I just want to let you know I listened to your advice. And he's like, and my wife and I, we, you know, we reached out to the pastor. We went ahead and we talked to him. We sat down. We ended up, you know, taking over the kids, you know, the nursery for a while. And we actually have been able to develop a nursery program that is really effective and really efficient. I was like, amen. Now come over here. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't tell him that. <laughs> See, what happens to us sometimes is we're in situations and we see something that is missing. Right? Or something that's not being done to our liking. And instead of us offering ourselves to be part of the solution, we're like, hey, we'll just bail. We'll go, do, we'll go somewhere else. We'll go find something better. Right? And so the reality is, it is where can you serve and what needs. Because one thing that I firmly believe is that sometimes you see things that are missing so that way you can fill that void. Are you here? I believe that. Sometimes you see things that are not there. You see things that are not happening so you can be a person who fills that spot. You can be a person who does something about what's there. God has equipped you for certain things, which brings me to my third point. Say this with me. Serving others must be based upon how we have been gifted. Serving others must be based upon how we have been gifted. Turn over to the book of 1 Peter, chapter 4, verse 7. And, we, and I've preached you the book of 1 Peter, so you've probably heard this before. But I love, love, love this portion of 1 Peter um, when it deals with the specific gifts of the Spirit. 1 Peter, chapter 4, verse 7. When you got it, say so. And it says this, it says, but the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. And above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love covers a multitude of sins. I want to pause for a moment. Do you notice what I said in my first point, right? That serving others must be rooted in the love of God, right? It must be rooted in love. Serving others must be rooted in love. And then what was the next thing when we looked at the book of Romans chapter 12? It, the first thing that he says there is that love be without hypocrisy, right, in dealing with relationships with others. And then the apostle Peter, he here is communicating what? So we have Luke who writes the book of Acts, and he's pointing out the motivation that, 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 that moved the church, which is love. Then we have P Paul who is writing the book of Romans, and he's communicating the way we should deal with one another is loving each other without hypocrisy, right? And then we have another apostle Peter. So three different authors I've just quoted to you, and all of them that are speaking of serving are dealing with what? They're talking about love at some capacity. They're talking about how imperative love is in our relationships with one another. How much, how much we need to be moving in love and operating in love in the way that we deal with one another. And here's the reason, because love covers a multitude of sin. Now, why would that even matter? Let me just pause for a moment. Why does that even matter? You want to know why it matters? Because you are going to sin against other people. And the only thing that's going to motivate them to forgive you is what? Love. 
It is when they are moved by love. That is what is going to cause us to be able to forgive one another. But he goes on in dealing with this, and he says, be hospitable to one another without grumbling, right? So don't complain. Invite people over. Don't whine about it. Hello. Hmm. As each one, now this is where, where, where I want to deal with, verse 10, as each one has received a gift. You see what that said, right? As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. I, I want you to notice here that it says, as each one has received a gift. You need to see that because sometimes we sit down and you hear a message like this and you're like, well, I don't know where I can serve. I Listen, every one of us has received a gift. No one is exempt from serving. Now listen, you may not have received the gift you wanted. Hello. That's fair, right? Like that happens. Like you think you're not gifted because you can't do what so-and-so does. That doesn't mean you're not gifted. That just means you're not gifted that way, Right? And so we need to be willing to say, okay, God, where have you gifted me, right? How have you equipped me in order to be able to do what? To minister the grace of God. Did you catch that? He is saying as good stewards of the manifold grace of God to minister. When I am not, listen to me now, when I am not serving based upon how God has gifted me, I am doing what? I am holding back the manifestation of God's grace in the lives of other believers and the lives of those within my community when I don't serve the way that God has God has given us gifts so that way we can minister one to another and then he goes on and he communicates and he lets us know what you know what we're supposed to do he says in verse 11 if anyone speaks let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ to whom belong the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And so what do we have here? We have two different types of gifts, right? Some people have been called, and this is the reality, some people have been called to preach, some people have been called to teach, some people have been called in those ways, right? They've been called to use vocal gifts. That's the primary place. That does not mean that they should never pick up paper. Are you here? That doesn't mean they can't go clean a toilet. That doesn't mean they can't cut some grass. That doesn't mean they can't set up and break down chairs. That doesn't mean they can't vacuum. What that means is that they have been primarily gifted to communicate God's word, to teach, to preach, to counsel. See, that's my primary gift is to communicate in that way, is to be a person who is speaking on behalf of God. That is my gift. But then there are other people, you know, where you sit there and you're like, I can never do what Bishop does. You're right. You weren't called to do that. But you know what? You can serve at a different capacity much better than I ever will. I never forget. Um, one, I, I don't remember what it was that we were building something around this church somewhere. And someone was making fun of me because they were saying, man, you're not a carpenter. I'm like, no, I'm not a carpenter. That was Jesus. Hello. I'm trying to follow in his footsteps, right? I'm trying to be faithful. But there are other carpenters that are much better at building stuff than I am. I like building stuff. I enjoy getting my hands dirty and stuff like that. I like that. But here's the thing. I may not be the best at it. Hello. Right? I know how to measure, right? I learned something. Measure twice, cut once. Hello. Good, good, good rule. Good rule. I'm telling you, keep it in mind, right? right? And so the reality is that we have to be those type of people that are looking at, where am I gifted? So for some of you, listen, let me say this. For some of you are sitting down here, you've been called to preach. You've been called to teach. You've been called to utilize vocal gifts. God has given you some gifts to communicate. And you know what? You're sitting back and you're not doing what God has called you to do. 
And you're holding back on what God wants to do through your life. There's others of you. You've not been called to preach. You've not been called to teach. You have been given other gifts to serve, and you're sitting back saying, I'm not doing anything. And you know what you're doing? You're holding back on the manifestation of God's grace in and through your life unto other believers. And we need everybody to step up and do what God has called them to do. Nobody has a a right to sit back and be like, well, I'm not going to serve. I'm not going to do what God has called me to do. No, 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 no. All of us have been given a gift for us to be able to serve through. Serving is always hard work. That's why it's got to be rooted in love. That's why it has to be focused towards Christ. But it has to also be done based upon your gifts. Because here's what I realized. While I may enjoy serving in other capacities outside of preaching, you want to know where I'm most energized? I'm most energized when I'm preaching. I'm most energized when I'm teaching. You know why? Because that is God's gift on my life. When you are doing what it is that God has called you to do, there's a certain energy that comes from that. There's a certain like motivation in that when you're doing that thing. And you know what? For some of you, man, I mean, for some people, they are motivated when it comes. I mean, seriously, like they are motivated by cleaning. They're motivated by, by, by ushering. They're mo- I mean, like those kinds of things motivate their heart, right? There's some people that are musicians, you know, and they're mo- like that move them like that is something that stirs up inside of them for someone else it would be terrible but because they've been gifted that way you know what it moves their heart it motivates them in order to do what it is that God has called them to do and so for all of us we have to know that God has gifted you and you need to ask yourself how is it that God has gifted you and then the second thing you need to ask yourself is are you using your gifts for the glory of God and for the good of others how how has he gifted you I don't know how he's gifted you maybe he's a gift you administratively Maybe he's gifted you in the area of hospitality. I mean, you just like to serve. Like, I mean, you really like to take care of people. Maybe, maybe you have some leadership gifts inside of you. And you know what? It's, and leadership doesn't mean preaching. Maybe you just, you, you just have some leadership gifts inside of you. And it's like, man, those are the things that I want to operate in, right? And you know what? Step up. Be that person that serves. And I close with these questions here. Are you committed to serving? That's the first one. Are you committed to serving? And the second thing is, do you understand the power of serving? See, I said it earlier. Jesus said this. He said, listen, his disciples in the book of Matthew chapter 20 and in the book of Mark chapter 10, um, both of those portions of scripture, they remind us of one account. And it's when Jesus' disciples come to him, right? James and John, that, you know, they, they come. And when they, when they come unto Jesus, um, they're like, hey, you know, we want to ask you for something. And one, one version says Zebedee, you know, that their mom, their, their mom was the one who said it. But nonetheless, in the story, they were asking for position of prominence to sit at the right hand and the left hand of Jesus. And Jesus is like, you know, are you going to drink the cup that I drink? And then, you know, they're like, yeah, surely we can. He's like, yeah, you're right. You're going to drink that cup. In other words, you're going to suffer. He said, but to sit here, that's been given to certain people. And then the disciples got all disgruntled. They got upset because they're like, yo, why are these guys asking this type of question? And then after they ask that question, Jesus sits down with them. He has a little chat with them. And he's like, look, you know the people in this, the rulers of this world, they lord their authority over you. Right? In other words, they make you know that they're rulers. You know how they do it. They let you know they got the money. They let you know they have the power is what he was saying to them. He says, but not so among you. He says, if someone wants to be great among you, you become the least. If you want to be first, you become the last. You want to be great. As a matter of fact, you be the servant of all because I have not come to be served but to serve and to give my life as a ransom. And so when I say, do you understand the power of serving, what I'm saying is this, is do you understand that when you begin to serve, 
serve the way that God has called you to serve, that you can be used greatly to turn our world upside down, that you can be used greatly to even turn your workplace upside down. You can be used greatly to turn your family upside down. You can be used greatly to turn the world upside down if we work together. We can do that. That's the power of serving. Why do I know this? Because Jesus said it. And so Jesus called us to serve so we could do what? So that we could turn the world upside down. So the question is, are you committed to serving? So I'll stand to our feet and let's pray together. Father, today we come to you. We humble our hearts in your presence. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would awaken within us a clear understanding of what it is and how it is that you have gifted us to serve. That you would awaken within us a clear understanding, Lord, of what it is that you have called us specifically to do within your church, even outside of your church, God. But that we would be those who are committed to serving, understanding the power of serving. And Father, there may be some in here that have been hurt in their serving. There may be some in here that may be frustrated in their ambitions or desires to serve. Lord, I just pray that you would strengthen them, that you would heal those wounds, and that you would give them the focus upon you to continue serving and to press forward in their service for your glory, God. Father, and I pray for those that are asking you, Lord, how is it that you want me to serve? Lord, I pray that you would make it abundantly clear to them how they can serve, that they would be used by you for your glory in order to turn the world upside down by serving by the gifts that you have placed inside of us, God. Be glorified, my brothers and sisters. Lord, I pray this all in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise.